0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Jerusalem only maintains its integrity and its character when God's people submit to God's law and to God's word. And keep in mind, Nehemiah is dealing with people who were born in Babylon. Remember I told you, many of these Jews, this is the first time they ever saw Jerusalem. For many of them, they had come out of Babylon, but Babylon hadn't come out of them. In other words, oh, you need to write that down. That was good. They came out of Babylon, but Babylon didn't come out of them. In other words, they were led out of Babylonian captivity, but they maintained a Babylonian worldly value system. That Babylonian way of thinking is still embedded in their hearts. You see, at a time in history, Babylon was the wealthiest nation in the world. Babylon was the most materialistic nation in the world. Babylon was the most hedonistic nation in the world. So they came out of Babylon. Well, Babylon hadn't come out of them. I think of Israel when they left Egypt. They left Egypt, but Egypt didn't come out of them. You know the story? Moses leads them out of Egypt into the wilderness. They're in the wilderness for three days. Count them, three days. And they begin to complain. And God had just done an awesome miracle in bringing them out of Egypt through the Red Sea Moving them on toward the promised land did a great miracle. destroyed Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea. I can't even say that without saying it like that. Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea. And God had done a great miracle. God had done awesome things in showing them his might and his power, miraculous, awesome miracles of deliverance. But they are whining. Three days and they're whining. Don't whiners bug you? Whiners bug you. I do you ever meet somebody and they just wh- Do you know anybody like that? That like they just whine all the time. How you doing? Whine, whine, whine. You just give them a business card. It just says, call 1-800-WHIN. I'm whining. They're whining and complaining. Three days after being in the wilderness, they leave Egypt excited, energetic, with expectation. Three days later, they said, Moses, did you lead us out here to die? Because they were also not only whiners, but they were dramatic. (laughs) Drama. Three days, did you lead us out here to die? (laughs) Whiners bug me. And dramatic queens drama bugs me. Drama, what do they call them? Drama queens. <laughs> drama. Just drama. Always drama. Did you bring us out here to die? We're going to die. Moses, you brought us out here to die because they, they were hot and they were, they were dry and, 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 it was, and they had no food and they had no water. And they said, we had it better in Egypt. At least we had onions and leeks and garlic to eat. And that's amazing because how quickly they forgot what Egypt was really like. They forgot they were slaves in Egypt. They forgot while they were in Egypt where they were told, they were told what to do and how to do it and when to eat and when to move. And and they worked all day and they labored for money and they forgot. It wasn't that much fun in Egypt. And oftentimes Christians are the same way. We come out of the world and then after some time we get bored and we say, oh man, you know what? I had so much fun in the world. And we forget the mornings we woke up next to somebody we didn't know their name. We forget. It's true. We forget the mornings we woke up with a black eye because we were too drunk the night before to even remember how it happened. We forget. We woke up the next morning, and we find our... While it is missing, we lost our money and we don't even know what happened to it. You forget while you were in the world, you drove yourself in the debt and serving your flesh and, and and walking in the world. You forget about those terrible somebody need to listen to me. You forget about those terrible relationships that you had when you were in the world and how bad things were when you were in the world. It wasn't good in the world. But when we become Christians, we seem to forget that it wasn't good in the world. Just like Israel forgot that it wasn't good in Egypt. Oh, we had it so great when we had leeks and onions and garlic to eat, which that's kind of not that tasty. (laughs) Anyways, not in my world. We forget. And they forgot what it was like to be in Babylonian captivity, and now they're complaining and they're whining and they're they they they're now arguing with one another. And I've learned, you know, I've, I'm with Pastor Moses. I have learned that complaining in the ministry is par for the course. If you want to be a pastor, why? Also, you should know that complaining, Not nobody here, no one in this room, I'm not even talking to anybody in this room. I'm just talking about how it is out there, okay? Complaining is par for the course. People complain. It just comes with leadership. And I think I've heard it all in the, 17 almost years that I've been here, I think I've heard it all. All the complaining. So if you've got any complaints, your minds will not tell me because I've already heard it. <laughs> Amen. Tell totally to Jesus. All kinds of complaints. I mean, you know, today I just was just writing them down. Okay, here's some. Here's some things I've heard. Complaints. Like people, and perhaps maybe you've asked this question yourself. You know, well, why is there no cross in the church? There's no cross in the church. People have said to me, why is there no cross in the church? I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes people are asking me things. I'm like, I don't really have a really, I don't have a deep, spiritual, profound, theological answer. Why is there no cross in the church? I, I don't know. I just, it just never occurred to me. Well, why didn't it occur to you we need a cross in the church? I'm, why? The cross means Execution. The cross is a symbol, Calvary Chapel, please. The cross is a symbol of of death. There was nothing special about the cross that Jesus hung on. Hear me. There was nothing special about the cross that Jesus hung on. What was special about the cross was the one who was hanging on it. Is that right? So we get all caught up in the symbol because we people, we were just like that. We just got to have something tangible that we can touch. So we we got to have a cross. Why don't we have a cross? I don't know. We just don't have a cross. I mean, you know, we used to you can't sit now because we got the black curtains up here. but We have the, the, the Calvary Chapel logo up here. And and, you know, one time somebody really did ask me this. They said, what's up with that? That that. Thing that burst thing behind your head because the, the way it, I'm standing here and it's like right there and it's like it makes it look like a shine thing coming from my head and and I was like that's just the Shekinah glory of God pay no t- pay, pay no attention to that it's just <laughs> pay no attention to the man behind the screen. <laughs> Well, why is that thing up there? You know, people have all kinds of things. You know, uh, you know, I, 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 this service is—you know—the church is not friendly enough. I've heard people say that uh, the church is too cold. At the same time, somebody comes up and says, "You know, I don't like all this hugging stuff. It's too friendly." I mean, in the same service, I'm going somewhere. Well, I don't like the invitation. You know, I just uh, just feel like, you know, when you, give pe- when you tell people raise their hands and stuff, that's just manipulation of people. And later somebody comes up and says, how come we don't have more invitations in this church? You know, I brought my mother to church today and she needed to get saved. She's wicked and you didn't give an invitation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> i heard it all. Or the music is too loud, or the music is too soft, or the music is there's too much humor and too much levity, and, and one guy told me there's too much levity, and another person said, well, it's too serious, and, and you know, you guys, it's just, it's just too serious in here, and you, you laugh too much in church, and you, how come you guys have so much fun? I have all these things I have heard. Why are you guys laughing in church? It's not funny. The things of God are not funny. Or it's too serious, you know, or it's too cold, or it's too hot, or the church is too big and you can't get to know anybody. Or, you know, the lifting up of holy hands makes me uncomfortable. When you say lift up your hands, well, that makes me uncomfortable. Listen, if that makes you uncomfortable, then don't don't lift your hands. You don't have to. We don't have the lifting up of hands police running throughout the audience. (laughs) And you don't lift and they go... get them up. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I, when somebody tell me get them up from where I'm from, you do this. <laughs> where my people at, y'all? <laughs> see, now some of y'all say, like, oh, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's just not funny. I can see it in a little bubble over your head. I can see it. Why are you laughing? It's not funny. It's church. I mean, it never stops. And the church is, you know, it's too charismatic. I mean, people are praising God and saying hallelujah and clapping their hands. It's too charismatic. Or it's not charismatic enough. You guys don't speak in tongues. I mean, it's not charismatic enough. But one guy even told me one time that he had come to our church to help us to become more spiritual and to show us how to worship. (laughs) Well, excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, you're saying something when your body starts doing this. <laughs> you're saying something. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to show y'all how to worship, honey. You know what I'm saying is right. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you're going to show us how to worship, Okay. Or the church is too Baptist or, you know, again, it's not charismatic enough. And here's the biggie. Here's like the, I think this is probably the biggest one. This church is hindering children from coming to Jesus because we say, and encourage people to take your children 12 years of age and under to the children's ministry where they can learn on their level. Can I tell you something? We spent more than a million dollars on that building down there just so the kids can come to Jesus. That comment, I don't understand. I don't even understand that but oh, because they can't be in here because families need to be worshiping together and people need to worship together and families need to worship together and how come children can't be in here? And it's like, you know, let them be down there worshiping on their own level and learning on their own level. And then when they grow up, they'll love to go to church and they'll enjoy church. You bring them in here and you keep slapping them because they keep moving around. God help me. And, you know, they're moving around and just being children because children are going to be children, okay? And you're like, stop it. <laughs> and I'm, well, the Greek word is spakanea, and it means compassion deep from the huh? And the child is going. Yeah, stop it, stop it. And see, and then what happens is when they grow up, then church means pain. Because they got slapped in their head so many times. They grew up, they got a big old knot on their head. They just their head is misshaped because you slapped it so many times. Because you brought them in here. When if you had let them go down there to be ministered on their ne- own level, they would have never been slapped and they wouldn't have eaten the Bible and nothing, none of this stuff would. There's a reason. Oh, you guys are hindering children from coming to Jesus. We're not hindering them. We're actually making it good for them to come to Jesus. And and, and, and just on, on that note, listen, no preacher can compete with a baby screaming. And you don't come to church to hear a baby screaming while I'm trying to teach. That's rude. Not that it's rude on a child. It's rude on the adult not to take their job. Tr- I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all just going to have to shoot me, okay? I, I'm, I'm just so sorry. I, I I'm not. I, please don't understand. I never, never, never would I ever say something that is offensive and rude and being disrespectful towards you. I love you too much. I am your pastor. But as your pastor, I am obligated by him to tell you the truth. And it is rude to bring children into a sanctuary and God's word is being spoken. And the kid is screaming and the parent is like, shh, 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 I'm letting you abuse your kid right here in the sanctuary. That's not good either. It's always not good. Nothing comes out good from this. And people don't hear the word and Satan gets glorified because nobody's hearing the word. And if ain't nobody hearing the word, ain't nobody being changed. And if ain't nobody being changed and everybody's being hurt by that, it's affecting us all. Man, I was doing a baby dedication. They're right here right now. They're friends of mine, so I'm going to say it because I know they're fine with it, all right? (laughs) Of course, the mom and her face is in her hands right now. I was doing a baby dedication on Sunday, this past Sunday, and I'm talking about the word and and their child, I'm, I'm, even going, I'm not going to even say your name, Chris. Oh, I don't even know. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the baby, I was like teaching about it. I said, right in the middle, it was just about 40 of us in here 30, 40 of us. Whatever, it's nice to learn the atmosphere. I said, don't you have some goldfish for that child or something? I'm get that get get child some goldfish. <laughs> she said, I didn't have any goldfish. I went, You're a bad parent. <laughs> You don't have goldfish? What parent do you know that a baby don't have goldfish? <laughs> Not the real ones, the the ones in the box that you. The, some of y'all like. <laughs> God, goldfish. I didn't know goldfish work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just can't satisfy people you got to seek to please the Lord. That's what I've learned. i got to please the Lord and do what God's called me to do. You know, and if people want to complain, listen, here's the reality. If people want to complain, y'all all know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If people want to complain, they will complain. Critics and complainers, I told you before, have their own club. Complainers like complainers. Complainers don't go to people who aren't complainers. And it's really interesting because complainers seem to find each other. Isn't that true? Critics seem to find each other. And the church, unfortunately, is full of people who complain and criticize. And when we criticize and we complain, listen to me, you are hurting your brother. You are hurting your sister. When we kick and scratch at each other and talk about each other and walk out and oh, well, I just, you know, especially if it's something that's just your own personal taste. And I'm getting ahead of myself, I don't want to go down that path yet. I'm going down that path in about 15 minutes, 12. But we're hurting each other and we're kicking at each other. Galatians 5.15, but if you bite, Galatians 5.15, but if you bite and devour one another, be careful that you and your whole fellowship, the Amplified Bible says, are not consumed by one another. Isn't this interesting? Listen to this. I'm told that when a group of thoroughbred horses face an enemy attack, they stand in a circle facing each other with their back legs to kick out toward the foe. Donkeys, on the other hand, do just the opposite. They make a circle and they face the threat while using their hind legs to kick at each other. I never knew that. Isn't that awesome? And it has a, There's a sermon in there. (laughs) It really is. Psalm 55. Psalm 55, listen to this. We're talking about hurting the body. Psalm 55, 12 through 14. Is it not an enemy who taunts me, David said? I could bear that. Is it not my foes who are so arrogantly insult me? The New Living Translation, I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of the Lord. David is writing this Psalm. Psalm 55 is written by David, a man after God's own heart. And David's heart was broken because he had been betrayed by someone that he went to church with, a person he fellowshiped with, a person he walked in the house of the Lord with, a person he had connection with. You know, that hurts more because it wasn't just some person. If you're betrayed or talked about, lied on by someone in the world, it doesn't hurt as bad, but when someone hurts you that you go to church with, it hurts. I think of Judas... Who betrayed Jesus And Jesus poured his life into Judas, and David says it was a Christian who stabbed me in the back. Don't be complainers, guys. If you're going to tell anyone, tell Jesus. some people here in our text we were taxing each other and taking advantage of each other and complaining and talking behind each other's back and Nehemiah heard their complaints in verses six through 13, we see the steps, point number two, that he took to stop the strife and the complaining. Notice in verses six through 13, and then you just peruse with me because we just read it. I told you that Nehemiah was a good leader. And listen, a good leader will sometimes get angry. Verse six says, I became angry. When I heard all this complaining and it wasn't that Nehemiah had a short fuse or a bad temper, this is what you call righteous indignation. We see it in Moses, we see it in Jesus who walked into the temple and he took out the whip and he drove out the money changers and he said, don't make my father's house, what? A den of thieves. Verse 7, look at verse 7, tells us Nehemiah was hot and then he stopped to think about it. I like that. After, look at verse 7 after serious thought. The New English Bible says, I mastered my feelings. In Hebrew, this means my heart consulted within me. Nehemiah didn't go off on the people. Instead, he stopped, he took a deep breath, he thought about it for a while, And then he rebuked the nobles and the rulers. And he said, you guys are taking advantage of your brothers. And he rebuked them. Now listen, this rebuke consisted of six different appeals. Six different appeals. Write this down. Number one, he appealed to their love in verse seven. Nehemiah reminded them that they were robbing their own countrymen, not the Gentiles. He uses the word brother four different times in his speech. Maybe Nehemiah was thinking Psalm 133.1, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Number two, he reminded them of God's redemptive purpose in verse eight. Remember, the people of God had been redeemed from Egypt and most recently from Babylonian slavery. Nehemiah says, you guys are putting people back in slavery just to make money. Number three, His appeal was based on God's word. Not only, number one, God's on their love, their love for one another, and God's redemptive purpose in verse 8, but also his appeal was based on God's word in verse 9. Nehemiah called them on the carpet, and he said, don't you fear God. He said, what you're doing is not right. We just looked at it in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It's not right. It was against God's commandment. Number four, they needed to remember their witness in the last part of verse 9. Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations, but their behavior was shady and dark. They were to walk in the fear of the Lord. Are you listening? They were to walk in the fear of the Lord and cause the enemies of God to see God. Instead, they caused the enemies of the Lord to mock God and to bring a reproach on the name of Israel. I think of David. Remember? David Bathsheba. Nathan goes to David. David, I know this man, and he's taking this woman, and David, what do you think should happen? And Oh, the man who has done this thing shall repay, and he shall surely die. And Nathan said, David, you're busted. You're the man.